Wow. Did you enjoy that? Wasn't that wonderful? Oh, my goodness. From the mouths of babes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The kids. It just made me, uh, it made me smile every time I looked at that ahead of time. Matter of fact, I came across, I'll share with you, uh, a couple letters from kids to Santa. I know your moms and grandpas and great-grandpas and all that will get a kick out of this. So this is from Julie. Julie says, Dear Santa, how will you get into our house this year? We don't have a chimney. My father just installed a very expensive security system. <laughs> and I love Nancy. She solved Santa's Christmas shopping. She goes, Dear Santa, I would just like just one of everything. And Sandy said, You know, what should I leave for your reindeer to eat? Do they like cookies? My mom won't let me bring hay into the living room. <laughs> and then my last one here, I love this is Jordan. This kind of fitted me a lot when I was growing up as a kid. Dear Santa, could you come early? I've been really super good, but I don't know if I can last much longer. <laughs> Please hurry. You know, so let me just start this time together because I just want to read you a story about the wise men. What are you wishing for this year? What are you wishing for? You know, there's really this question that I have for all of you this morning. And this is, relates to the, to the Magi, to the wise men. What happens when you've been following a star and it leads you to a stable? What happens when you're following that star that you thought was going to be so much and next thing you know you wind up in a place you never expected to be? You know, you know after you've been following the, scar, following the star and looking for something grand, you know, something wonderful. You know, it's going to be on the other end. All your effort, all your time, something wonderful. But then you wind up like in the backyard of a barn. And instead of a palace and a king sitting here on a throne, you just find this little baby held in his mother's arms. It's nothing like you anticipated. How do you react when you follow a star and you find a stable? How does your behavior affect it? Well, I thought we should probably start out with, I'm going to have Mary read the story of the Magi. So in Matthew 2, Absolutely. 1 through 12. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what, the, what was written by the prophets. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi, determined from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood 
over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and they worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. You know, I, when Mary was reading that, I thought, can you imagine the disappointment the Magi must have found when they finally wound up in Bethlehem? I mean, I mean from listening to the story, I'm sure they were expecting to find, wind up at a mansion, okay, or some kind of royal court. I mean, think about it. They stopped at Herod's place. They stopped at Herod the king to ask him, where, you know, where do we find this new king? You know, where is this child? Everyone's been talking about. The story always makes me wonder about the wise men. You know, every one of us has had times in our life when we follow that star. Everything looks so promising. It looks so wonderful. It looks so good. And at times, sometimes you probably in your life have found yourself in a stable. This is not what I was expecting at all. I mean, just go back to your high school graduation. Did you ever pull out the yearbook, you know, from years ago and you look and you look at some of the kids and some of the stuff? Everybody, remember, you used to write in your yearbook and boy, you thought certain ones, they were, had such a promising future. Then you look down the road a little bit and you start you see that many of them, life didn't turn out like they wanted at all. It was full of disappointments. Or, you know, how about all of you graduated from college? You know, you got your diploma tucked under your arm. Maybe your kids and your grandkids are leaving college. So they get out there and they find the job, but it, boy, it isn't what they thought it was going to be. Can I tell you, I've been at many weddings of some good friends. And I'll tell you, they look so promising that they're just going to have this great life together. And, you know, then a few years later, right, you find out they end up in divorce court. Well, this one happened to me and maybe this has happened to some of you. Maybe it's a job, you know, where you've been expecting a promotion. You know, the boss finally calls you into the office. You know, you're all excited. <laughs> you've been waiting over, and then you find out you've been passed over. Somebody else got it. You walk out of the office. You've been working so hard. Every effort it took to follow that star, and you end up in a stable. This is not where I want to be. Maybe you've started a business in the past. You know, you've been saving, 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 saving. You finally go to the bank. You've got enough leverage. They give you the loan. You get out. You start your new business. You're all excited except to find out, well, you're more excited than your customers are. Following a star wound up in a stable. You know, I've seen a lot of people, both Mary and I, have people come into the retirement age. They can't wait to get there. You know, you can't wait. Finally, you know, they can do everything they wanted to do. And can I tell you, most of the friends that I know, a couple of months later, you know, well, you know, this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. Because they start to get restless. They're a little unsettled. And they're kind of asking themselves, well, kind of what happened? This isn't what I was expecting. Or the health, the health, the health goes south. Going, well, this, this, this is not working like I thought. So why do I bring all that up? Because I'm going to tell you the beautiful part of the Christmas story today. 
It's the beautiful story about the wise men and what they did when they arrived at that home two years after Jesus was born. It was not what they thought the star was bringing them to. Through their actions, though, I'm going to share with you three things that I believe that all wise people through time have done when they followed a certain star, hope for a certain direction, and boy, they wound up in a stable. Not ex- this is not what they were expecting. So here's the first one, and I want you to take this with you. When wise people find a stable, they look for God. You see, wise people of every age, when they're handed a difficult situation, they don't panic because they believe somewhere in this God's, God's got to be in this somewhere. I mean, there must be something. I mean, you sit there and you go, there, there must be something I can learn. And they kind of hold steady you know, because they hold on to this. I mean, look at the story of Joseph, Jacob's son. Not, Mary, not, not, not Joseph of Mary's Joseph. Remember all the things that he went through? Remember his own brothers turned him in and sold him into slavery. He winds up in a, at a Potiphar's house and all these lies are told about him. He spends time in prison. One thing after another after another. But finally, God raised him up to be the second in charge of all of Egypt. And under his leadership, not only, this is so important how God works, not only was his family saved, but tens of thousands of Egyptians and others were saved beyond this. You know, when his brothers finally, and he got his brothers to come back, and they finally realized who he was, I love what Joseph said. Mary, would you read this? this? Absolutely. Genesis 50, 20, such a popular verse. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people lives. You see, Joseph had the ability see God in the stables of life. I mean, look at Job. Okay, we're going to look at Job here for a minute. Here's this guy. He's sitting on an ash heap, okay? He was a good man. He did everything right. And all of a sudden, he's gone through persecution. He loses his family. He loses his wealth. He loses his health. And his friends are standing around him and telling you, you know, you should just curse God. He might as well just die. But Job didn't listen to their advice. Instead, he said this in Job 21. Job 1, verse 21. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Boy, that's so powerful, isn't it? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Job was able to see God and all the persecution and the horrific things that happened to him. And then, you know, of course, there was the Apostle Paul. Here's Paul. He's in prison. Church of Philippi. He's writing to the Church of Philippi. He's in prison and chains, and he's telling them how to be encouraged. <laughs> Look up, cheer up, everything's going to be fine. Paul was able to do the exact same thing. You see, the difference between a mature Christian and an immature Christian is right here. I'm going to have Mary share this. Don't miss this. Mm, and remember, if you don't hear anything else today, don't miss this. <laughs> immature Christians... See only God in the good, but mature Christians see God in both the good and the bad. Powerful, right? You see, when good things come, 
The immature Christian says, well, it must be from God. Well, because since everything is good, everything good's happening, I know this must, must be what God wants. That's not necessarily true. Mature Christians, though, they see God in both the good and the bad. You see, the mature Christ follower sees God not only in the pleasures in the palaces, but they also see him when they're going through those stables of life. Here's, here's the point. You may be walking into a stable period right now in your life. You may be walking right into it. You've been following this star, and it looks so good, and now you're walking into this and go, is this it? Are you kidding me? After all the work and effort and everything I did, are you telling me this is it? I want to encourage you to remember, wise people have the ability they have the ability to see God in those moments in their life. I mean, look at the second one. When wise people find themselves in a stable, you know what they do? When they're in the worst part of their life, they offer their very best to God. Because you see, it's not natural for any of us. When things are going south, the last thing you expect anybody to do is do something good or give more of themselves, right? I mean, in fact, I mean, when we find it, find ourselves not in a palace, but in a stable, we, we want to hold stuff back. I mean, like, like a marriage, right? Your marriage starts going south. You know what most people do? Well, I'm going to hold back. No, I'm not going to give any more to this. Have you ever noticed when we come to some of the stables in life, we're tempted not to give our very best. We're actually, to hold back. Just to hold back. You know, I'd love to do, and I don't do this every morning. Mary can confess that it's... But I think doing the mirror test is really important. You know, every day I get up, I try. And I look in the mirror and I say, God, am I giving my very best in the situation that I'm finding myself in today? Because you see, it could be one of problems I'm dealing with that day, or it could be one of prosperity. But am I giving my very best? You see, when the wise men came to that humble home, they didn't withhold anything. They didn't look at one another like I say, hey, Mary, you know what? We don't leave anything here. You know, we could take all this back. We can give it to Herod and give it to him, you know, and give it to him and his family. I mean, hey, this is just this kid living on the backside of the Roman Empire. <laughs> you know, I'm certainly doesn't need all this stuff. They didn't. See, don't miss this. Oh, we got three incredible words here, ladies and gentlemen. The difference between the average and the above average person lies in three words, and then some. All through Scripture and all through this world, great men and great women of God give their very best. They give their very best, and then some. They forgive people. And then some. They're always walking, you know them. They're always walking the extra mile. They're always taking the extra step. It's an effort. Winston Churchill said, quote, The world is being run by tired men. Those who make a difference are those who take the extra step, the ones that walk that second mile, the ones that give their best in every situation even when it doesn't look promising. I can remember when I was 12 years old. <laughs> Our class went to Washington, D.C. 
And I'll never forget this. We're driving by in the bus. You know, I think we took a school bus from Buffalo to Washington. It was brutal. Uh, A bluebird or something, you know, bluebird bus. But I can remember, and uh, we're riding by the Washington Monument, and I'm looking out the window. I could not believe how big the Washington Monument was. I was in awe. I couldn't wait to go up into the very top of it. So the bus stops, we all get out, I run over, and there's this gigantic line. And the guy, it's for the elevator. And it's a two and a half hour wait. I'm 12 years old. I walk up to the guy with the elevator. I go, is there a faster way up? Can I get up there sooner? And he goes, sure. You could take the stairs. Oh, okay. He goes, there's 897 of them, and there's 50 landings. I got back in line. I waited the the two and a half hours. (laughs) But you see, what's powerful of why I shared that with you? He says, you can go up now if you're willing to take the stairs. You see, the average person in life wants to take the elevator. Average people want to get by by not doing, by actually doing least, not doing the most. And third, my last point to drive home with you. When wise people find themselves in a stable, many, many times they're ready to make a change, to change the direction. Have you ever experienced now, I mean, in a room like this and everyone listening on the internet and, uh, and uh, YouTube and all of those, have you ever had a stable experience that changed your life? Something went so south in your life that it changed your direction. When you come upon those, have you experienced God going, look, at it, it's time to move. It's time to change. You know, Henry David Thoreau, Remember, decided to get down in Walden's Pond, you know, one day and sink down to his eyes and try to look at life through the eyes of a frog. Can I tell you, when I first saw that, that was the stupidest thing I ever thought in my whole life. This guy makes money doing this? You know, I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. But you know what it made me do this past week? It made me think a little bit about Christmas. Because you know what it did? It made me think about God. Because God, in a sense, kind of did the same thing. The God of the universe allowed himself to be born to a virgin Mary. He allowed himself to come through the birth canal. He allowed himself to be brought up and be able to look at the world and all of us through human eyes. Friends, the birth of Jesus, this whole story, it's a story of a baby born in Bethlehem who was more powerful than the Roman Empire. A baby who is incarnate, the Savior. It's the Savior of the world. I I love what John says in 3.16. Absolutely. John 3.16 and 17. For God so loved the world Mm. that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Oh, Mary, Mary, would you read seven, verse 17 again? Absolutely. For God, did not ju- for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Our Father in heaven gave all of us the most precious gift. I mean, look at what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2. 
Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. A gift, a gift. Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, would you read that? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Indescribable. You know, human beings are the only ones who have the desire to give gifts. I know you probably never stopped to think about it for a minute, but you know why that is? It's because we're made in the image of God. We're made in the image. We have a God who's into giving. Animals don't have this desire. I have never seen a dog or cat wrap up a gift, okay, and give it to somebody. Mary and I were talking, the only gift our dog ever gave us, we had to pick it up in the backyard, okay? That's the only gift our dog ever gave us. Look at friends, don't miss this. This is a great don't miss this, Mary. The essence of knowing Christ is giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't come saying, I want, I want, I want. He says, I'm coming to give and give. The Bible tells us over and over that Jesus gave us the ultimate gift. And I know during these last few weeks, I'm sure many of you spent a lot of time on Amazon, okay? Looking for just that, you know, the gift that you want to get for someone, just that special gift. And, I, and I, I know many of you know this, but you know, the best Christmas gift that you can possibly receive from anybody, it's, it does basically two things. It expresses the personality of the person that gives it to you, and it meets the need of the one who's receiving it. You see, God has given us a gift that reflects his personality and a gift that meets all of our needs. Have you thought about this? I mean, 2,000 years ago, I mean, 2,000 years ago, if we really needed some more information or we needed more knowledge, don't you think God would have gave us some kind of educational list? Or if we needed technology, he would have given us some techie software engineer? If we needed, more, I needed to know more about money, he would have given us an economist? If we needed more pleasure, he would have gave us some new entertainer or something? But you know what we needed? We needed forgiveness gave us a savior. You know, I think we're all looking, everyone, whether it's just your first time coming here and hanging out during Christmas or whatever it is, I think we're all looking for that ultimate gift. You know, that one that'll make us happy, the one that will so desperately meet the needs that we have, uh, you know, could, you know, we talk about a new job or new relationships, right? Or we talk about, how could you fix this family problem we have? Or, you know, my health is going south. You know, can you help that? Let me just tell you what I found. Actually, both Mary and I found. And I want to share this all with you. There is the ultimate gift that is offered to every single person. And it's really there. And you know what this gift brings? It brings joy. Not happiness. Happiness is fleeting. It brings joy. It brings you peace. It brings you comfort. It brings you forgiveness and fulfillment. But so many go unwrapped or partially unwrapped. This gift every year is just sitting there. Can you ever imagine being given a Christmas gift and never unwrapping it? Right? You'd think it'd be silly, right? Well, I read about a guy 
recently who had a Christmas gift it was 49 years is still sitting in the corner of his room. He never unwrapped it. I mean, look, at if you gave me a Christmas gift this year and you came over to my house a month later and it's still unwrapped, you think, you know, I know Pastor Paul wasn't all there, but I think he's really naughty. What's the gift still not unwrapped? You know, you sit there and you think, well, you know what? You get this ultimate gift from Christ. And you think, you know, I'll, I'll get around to unwrapping this special gift that my Father in Heaven has given me through His Son. Uh, I mean, I'm grateful for the gift. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm grateful for the gift. But I don't know if I want to unwrap it. You'd find it kind of strange. Yet many Christians go Christmas after Christmas. They know all the songs. They know the story. They all know it. But they never, they never open the box. Some of us, so many of us that call Jesus our Savior, we've opened the box, but only partially. You know, we look inside and, oh yeah, there is some peace in there. Oh, there is some forgiveness. But we never fully open it. We never fully walk in everything God has for us. We accept it. We take it. We take a little, couple little pieces and parts out of it, but never truly unwrap that gift fully. Friends, that gift, this gift, the ultimate gift, it's the ultimate gift right here. This is the ultimate gift. You're not going to get this. I'm telling you, you're not going to get this anywhere else. You're not going to find it under your Christmas tree. You're not, it's not going to be at the miracle on 34th Street. Okay? You're not going to find it there. Not at all. The gift is that needs to be fully unwrapped. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I offer you. I offer you forgiveness. I offer you forgiveness for your past, anything you ever did, your present, or your future. And you've got a future in eternity with me. Look, we all came here today for all different reasons. Some of you came here because, well, this is what you do during Christmas, right? Some of you came because, you know, I like the Christmas songs. I like the Christmas cookies they put out in the lobby. Those are good. Or maybe you came here because, you, uh, you know, someone, you were invited by someone. Someone really cares deeply about you. I, I don't want you to miss this. It's not a don't miss this. I, don't, I should have made it one. <laughs> Regardless of why you think you're here, it's not an accident. Even a thousand years ago, before you were ever born, God knew you would be here on December 24th, 2023, so he could tell you this. He wants to tell you this. He wants to get your attention to say this to you. You matter to me. You matter to me. I know everything about you. I know the day you were born. I know the day you're going to die. I know everything in between I made you for a purpose and a fulfilling life. 
I love you. And I want you to know I love you so badly that I sent my only son 2,000 years ago so you could see what I'm like. Friends, and those that may be hearing this for this type of thing about Jesus for the first time in your life, understand, I'm not talking about religion here, all right? You know, religion is just man's attempt to get to God. It doesn't matter to me if you're Catholic. It doesn't matter to me if you're a Hindu or if you're a Buddha, if you're a Jewish background, you're a Protestant, okay? Or you don't have any religious background at all. I don't care. Mary, do you care? I don't care. We don't care. What matters is do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen. That's all that really matters. Those gifts, come on, I'll think about this. The gifts, forgiveness, peace of mind, eternal life. They're all wrapped up in him. They're all wrapped up in Jesus. When God says, I want to offer you forgiveness, peace of mind, and eternal life, and you haven't unwrapped it, you've got to ask yourself, be serious. Right? Are you serious? You've got all this that's offered to you, and it's free. Can I tell you, you're never going to be offered a better deal. Never going to be offered a better deal. Can I encourage all of you? It's time to open the gift. Listen to what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Mary, you know, why don't you read two? Why don't you read John, John 1? Yeah, John 1, 14, this is Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as, the, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Yes. So, friends, and I just say this to some of you, because some of you, I'm your pastor, and others you're maybe seeing myself and Mary for the first time. Open the gift fully this year. Walk in it, will you, for all that God has for you? You know, Christmas, simply put, is this. We matter so much that God, he left his home in heaven. <laughs> he came down and lived in an earthly home to die a sacrificial death for everything we'll ever do wrong so we could be with him forever. Jesus was the payment, my friends, for our sins. The price has been paid. Oh, I love this. Jesus is the gift that turns uncertainty to certainty. Got any uncertainty in your life right now? That gift, this gift, you fully open it, it'll turn your uncertainty to certainty. It'll turn your unfulfillment in life to fulfillment. It really will. And it'll turn death into life. So in close, if Christmas is about anything, it's about a baby, a savior. Born in Bethlehem, who changed the world for.
forever. When we come to those stables in life, friends, let us be wise like the Magi and remember to look for God. Let us never stop bringing Him the very best that we have and allow Him to change our direction if it needs to be moved, enabling each and every one of you to become the greatest man and woman that God has created you to be. So I just want to take this time and just in our last few songs here, just who, what child truly is this? We're going to listen to that song. And we're going to listen to Mary, did you really know who you were holding in your arms? And then after that, friends, we got two final songs, O Holy Night and Silent Night. And the last two songs, we're, we're, I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll take out our candles and we'll sing those last two songs, O Holy Night and Silent Night. So right now, just enjoy what child is this. And Mary, did you know? <laughs> 